classic 80s metal. Symphonic death metal opera. But I've got to be in the mood to listen to Black Sabbath. Many of our listeners weren't even born then. Back for time, it was very progressive. I can see there are thrash elements. You are a metal paradox. A stunning vision of death metal. I would listen to it over and over and over again today. It just seems so dated. I hear this more as operatic and goth. Florianson will surpass Halford as the iconic heavy metal singer. You're listening to The Great Metal Debate Podcast. Welcome to the Great Metal Debate Podcast. This is your friend Brian. As always, with me, my friend John Fogg. John Fogg, what's happening this evening? I'm feeling good. I went to an awesome concert this week. I've uh, gotten some new metal, and everything is positive and upbeat. Well, we love positive and upbeat in the Great Metal Debate Podcast. And along those lines, we're going to talk about the show that you went to a little bit later in the podcast. I'll tell you what I want to start with, because I am particularly excited about the topic that we're going to start with this week. John folks, I know you've heard it. I know you've got it. What do you think of the new Judas Priest album, Redeemer of Souls? Well, Brian, if you want to hear a clone of Insert the Name of Your Favorite Priest album, you're going to come away from Redeemer of Souls disappointed. But if you enjoy the spectrum of music Priest has created over the decades, you're going to find much to adore here. This is another master creation forged in the fires by the metal gods themselves. Priest is back, this time with an album that might better have been named Epitaph, after the last tour where they highlighted songs from every single album of the catalog. This album has a similar breadth and scope to the set list from that tour. In many ways, Redeemer of Souls is not dissimilar to Angel of Retribution. Both showed Priest hearkening back to reappropriate elements for their earlier years, but with an updated, although not modern, sound. For Angel of Retribution, it was songs like Judas Rising, Deal with the Devil, Demonizer, and Hellrider. On Redeemer of Souls, you find the band going back even further into their catalog, sometimes even incorporating bluesy elements employed on classic Priest albums from the 70s, like Hellbent for Leather, Sad Wings of Destiny, Stained Class, and Sin After Sin. As with Angel of Retribution, there are a few tracks that don't quite measure up, but these are the minority. Highlights on the album include Halls of Valhalla, Sword of Damocles, Cold-Blooded, and Secrets of the Dead. I'll have a full album review to accompany this podcast when it comes out, but in summary, I was surprised, impressed, and pleased. Judas Priest succeeds on Redeemer of Souls by continually reworking and reinventing itself while never falling into repeating itself. Man, what a great amalgam of music. It is incredible. And I think, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, Gomfog, and I think we're probably going to have a little bit of a debate about this. I am so glad that Judas Priest has returned to their roots. That's my review of the album. I love it. I love the sound of old with the new music. 
I think they have a certain sound, and that certain sound works for them. And all those albums that you quoted have similar sound to me. Nostradamus, and to some extent, Angel Retribution, is their attempt to bring themselves into the metal of the 2010s. That, to me, is what's pathetic. A, A band that has a certain sound, that has a certain formula that works, trying to change to please a new audience. I think this album is proof that their old audience, their old sound, is enough. I don't think that Nostradamus was what comes naturally from Priest. That doesn't mean there aren't songs on there that are not successful for them. It just means that I think they went in the wrong direction for Judas Priest. Yeah, I mean, you're not a Priest fan, so I can understand how you would would say that. Because, I mean, obviously you haven't listened to their catalog. I've listened to every single album they have, and for me, that's saying something. I mean, for you to imply that somehow there's a Priest sound, there is no classic Priest sound. Priests have changed every album. Yeah, they haven't included uh, symphonic metal and uh, concept albums in any of their albums except for Nostradamus. That that was the change on that album. The change on British Steel was we're going to play a bunch of short commercial-sounding songs. The change on Turbo was we're going to integrate synth guitar. Every album integrated some different change. They're all very different. Yeah, what you call the change, I call the natural progression of a sound that works. When I heard Redeemer of Souls, which was the first song I heard off this album, my immediate reaction was, they're back. That's exactly what I thought. And I was I mean, so that's... glad about that. So what do you mean they're back? I, I don't understand. You're not a fan of Priest if you, if you think there is no they're back. Because there is no set pre-sound to go back to. You don't think Metalizer has uh, sounds similar to the Sentinel? And you don't think March of the Dams has sounds similar to Metal Gods? I mean, to me, this song... Two incredibly different... I mean, you couldn't talk about two more different albums than Defenders of the Faith and British Steel. And yet somehow uniquely Judas Priest. Well, they're the ones who made the music... But they are different. I mean, there's radically different sounds on each album. And okay, so I so don't know how you can say it's they've returned. Return to what? Return to which one? Did they return to British Steel or did they de- return to Defenders? Did they return to Turbo? Did they return to Sin After Sin? I don't know. When you cite this, they've returned to what? They've been changing every year that they've existed. Okay. I'm going to answer in a way that's going to piss you off so much, but it's absolutely the truth. When I heard the new album, I thought, that's Judas Priest. That's their sound. That's how they do it best. I can't... I I know that each song is different. I know that each album has a different sort of sound, but there is a, to me, there is a distinct Judas Priest style. And this album returns to that style, if you ask me. I don't think any real fan of Priest would make that claim, because I think real fans of Priest would understand, going back to the catalog, 
There is no classic priest sound. Yeah. I, I which is one of the I, things that differentiates priests from another, other bands like, say, let's talk about Iron Maiden. There's an Iron Maiden sound that when you hear the sound, you think that's Iron Maiden. Absolutely. Priest does, priest does not have that. See, I would disagree with that statement right there, and that's part of the problem with what we are talking about right here, is that I think that Priest has a sound. I think that Priest falls into a zone that makes me comfortable when I hear them, and for me, Nostradamus was a complete departure from that comfort zone. And I am a real fan of Priest. I take issue with you saying that I'm not, because I love every single album they put off. Of course, Sad Wings of Destiny is different from Painkiller. That's a natural progression. That's can you a, name the can you name the songs in order off Sad Wings of Destiny and Painkiller? Dude, I can't name the songs that I listened to ten minutes ago. That's not fair. You're argument. not a fan. Again, I I mean I, I pretty much can run the the entire catalog, all the songs up and down, back and forth in my head. I I mean I I have a I have a complete knowledge of Judas Priest, and so when I hear a new album, when I hear this Redeemer of Souls, I literally listen to every song and compare it to every other song in the Priest catalog, compare it to every other album. So let me get this straight. In order for me to become a fan, I have to memorize the songs on the albums, because I can tell you right now, that, quali- that disqualifies me as a fan of ACDC my favorite metal band of all times, who I have listened to extensively and love every song they've put out, but I couldn't tell you the last song I listened to of theirs. I think that is ludicrous, the fact that you can quote facts from a band makes you a fan. You like the music. That's what makes you a fan, and I like this Jewish priest. Yeah, and I, I would just repeat what I've said before. Merely liking something is not a, being a fanatic. Let me ask you this question, Brian. Were there keyboards on this album? If there were, I didn't notice them. See, you didn't listen. You don't think listen. You didn't I listen. Your did. opinion is out the window because you like didn't listen. listen. If you can't tell that there are keyboards on this album, you didn't listen. Yeah, the hell with you and the way you listen, man. I like I listen. Now, what do you mean? The way I listen, I listened. If you didn't hear the keyboard, then you didn't listen. Listen, I thank God in heaven above that I didn't hear the synthesizer on this album. That, that's fine. If you want to put on some music and then create a fantasy about what is actually playing in your head, more power to you. But I actually want to talk about the real music that actually is played. Oh, dude, it's the fantasy that makes it great. That's fine. Just uh, admit that it's fantasy and not reality. Yeah, I, I will never admit that. I don't care that you hear every you single element of the song. It. Yeah. This sounds like preach to me. To hell with whether you like that or not. That's why this is called the Great Metal Debate, folks. You just heard it right here. Can we talk about something? some other part of Priest for a second? Please. Okay. Recently, in some of the metal media, there has been this sort of, um, I don't want to call it debate, but there's sort of been this attention given to Bruce Dickinson versus Rob Halford, if you will, where Dickinson had a problem with Halford using a telephone. 
At least a tempest in a teacup. At least a tempest in a teacup. I love that quote, by the way. Dickinson had a problem with Halford using a teleprompter. What do you think about that? Well, Halford has been very public about his need to utilize teleprompters. You know, this goes back to when uh, when Halford rejoined Priest back in uh, 2004, 10 years ago. They uh, began that reunion tour throughout the world. You know, I think we're going to agree on this. I mean, Halford has been extremely open about the fact that he has some physical problems, his back being one of them, his uh, memory being another one. He admits that he has problems. Remember the song lyrics. What I have a problem with in this is that Dickinson's kind of being a dick about the whole thing. What do you think? I mean, I really love Bruce as an artist, and I think Halford's response pretty much sums it up. Yeah. I mean, he essentially said, yeah, Bruce kind of goes off on things. I'm not going to read too much into right, it. Right, right. I mean, that's just the kind of guy Bruce is. He He's the kind of guy who will just go off on somebody, and, you know, he has strong opinions. We all know people like that who don't really consider things. Yeah. You know, who just, you know, they'll hear keyboard solos where they don't exist and just, you know, they'll swear to the heavens that they're there. Right. We all know crazy people like that, and we all just kind of laugh them off. I mean, in 2000, Dickinson wanted to tour with Halford when, when it was actually the band Halford. I mean, he said it was like, the, you know, he said his album was like the Screaming for Vengeance Priest. You know, he liked it very much, you know, and, and he, he did a song with him. Here's the issue for me, and this is what I want to ask you, Gomfog. I want your opinion on this. Is there a time to get out of metal? I mean, we've got a guy that in the past, before he had his surgery, could barely walk across the stage, had trouble remembering the lyrics. Is it time to go? I mean, to me, the answer is no. I mean, here's the bottom line, Brian. Priest has recorded now 13 studio albums spanning four decades, going into their fifth decade now. I think that they hit a high point at a certain point. And I, Redeemer of Souls, although I enjoy it, I don't think it is anywhere near the album Painkiller was. That doesn't mean it's not a good album. And even if they recorded another album five years from now that's half the album, I still think that's a worthwhile effort. Uh, okay, I think you should mark this down because I completely agree with you. Should, is there a time to get out? No. Bring it as long as you can, right up to the point where the music suffers. And obviously, with Redeemer of Souls, the music has not suffered. They've returned to that great Judas Priest sound. Oh, I mean, I'm going to cut that. Don't even... No, fuck you, man. You, you keep talking. I'm going to cut that out. you got to keep that in, man. I'm probably going to cut it all you out. You can't cut that. And just include my part. Asshole. I, I that's it. I won't include that either. That's it, man. I'm learning how to edit. <laughs> yeah. You know that's not yeah. true, right? <laughs> <laughs> Quit it, man. You're going to make me spit up my that's wine. That's not fair. That's not fair. I think that Bruce is fine in spouting off a bit his opinion, I'm fine with that. I think people who are familiar with Bruce 
know that a lot of times he's just spouting off. I couldn't agree more, man. I, I like Bruce because he's got that screw you attitude, I'll say what I want. And I think this is an instant of it. I think he's wrong in this instance. I love that attitude. I love the screw you attitude that Bruce has. And in this instance, I think he's wrong. But I think I wouldn't love Bruce any other way. And that brings an, an end sort of to the priest conversation. I want to talk about something that you mentioned earlier, Gomthog. I, I, in, this, in this particular subject, I'm going to defer to you. Just kind of tell me about the concert. What were your thoughts? Well, man, this was the first time I'd been to this venue, the Exit Inn in Nashville, Tennessee. Right. Uh, when I went to see Goat Whore last Tuesday. It was not too far from Vanderbilt University, and I found a parking garage to, to park in. But I, I you know, went to the venue, and I mean, there were some rough-looking people who were you know, milling around outside. I've seen the fucking video. There were some rough-looking people on stage. Well, that was what I was going to say. The people I was scared of in line were the people I paid to see. <laughs> that is classic metal. I love that. Man, I really enjoyed it. Exit Inn was a, a nice little venue, different than uh, Diamond Pub that I uh, normally go to in Louisville, but similar in that there's no security barrier. I mean, you're right there, nuts up against the stage, and all the bands delivered. Yeah, how, how big was it compared to Diamond Pub? About the same size, but... In some ways, set up better because there was a upper level. There was like a balcony there. I kind of really liked the setup there. There were three bands who performed that evening, uh, starting out with Tijuana Goat Ride, featuring a female vocalist and guitarist. Uh, again, I love female vocalists, especially ones who can perform the melodic death metal sound. Okay, hold up. Let me ask you this question. I know this is important to you. What category or genre of metal would you place Tijuana Goat Ride in? See, that's really hard uh, because... That's what she said. Ha. Uh, that's really difficult. Based on listening to them, I mean, they had some... I would call them melodic death metal with elements of doom metal. Yeah, I have no idea the difference, but go ahead. You don't know that you couldn't you couldn't talk about the difference between melodic death metal and doom metal. Not if my soul depended on it. Do you even care about music? Fuck you, man! I love music. The funny thing is, I actually believe that's true, but I can't tell it from talking with you. And yet, that doesn't bother me in the least. Dude, there's no the second band was Ophiuchus. Officious. Wow. I mean, they were really, I mean, much in the in the vein of Goat Whore. I watched the guitarists. Their hands were moving a million miles an hour. Oh, I love guitar that moves a million miles an hour. And then Goat Whore. I mean, the energy they brought in stage, the passion. One of the things that I enjoyed about Goat Whore was the lyrical sophistication. If you're somebody who likes lyrics ever repeated, you're not going to enjoy Goat Whore because there's not a single lyric ever repeated in any of their songs. If you like choruses, yeah. 
you should not check out Goat Whore because they're not a fan of choruses or anything that repeats. Hey, I know that you're actually a fan of that type of music. So let's switch directions a little bit, Gomthog. You mentioned this week during our conversation about metal being catchy or not catchy. Here's my question to you. Do you think that heavy metal can be, should be, and I'm using the finger air quotes, catchy? I don't think that's an essentially metal element. I think that the more catchy it is, to a certain extent, the less metal it is. Oh, my God. Okay, here's the only answer I have to that. Who the hell are you or me to tell someone what they can and can't enjoy? It doesn't matter whether it's catchy or not. Who said someone could or couldn't enjoy anything? Because we're talking about people that enjoy metal. Who the hell are you, or I for that matter, to tell someone what they can or can't enjoy? And we're talking I, about, okay, I get... I would never tell anyone what uh, they could or couldn't enjoy. I know what you're going to say. I, I get that. But we're talking about metal music. We're talking... Okay, that's a separate thing than what someone can and can't enjoy. But who the hell are you or I to tell someone that they can't classify what is or isn't metal? We can discuss... Some, a, okay, I, hold I, on, I, hold I, on. I, I, let me answer that question, Brian. But there's a second I can answer that question uh, because I'm a fanatic of metal. You are not a fanatic of metal. You're a fanatic of the metal you enjoy. I bleed metal. No, you that's, bleed that's the metal you love. That's what gives me the authority to do that. You bleed the metal you love. Over the past year, do you want to talk about the different styles of metal I have seen in concert? Have I been to see symphonic metal? Have I been to see metalcore? Have I been to see black and death metal? Have I been to see classic power metal? Uh, I mean, my experience runs the gamut. I am metal through and through. Okay, we can discuss till the cows come home. What is metal? But the ultimate decision and choices are personal. Defend to no. the death your right to say a certain song is or isn't metal, but that won't stop me or anyone else from labeling a song how they want. Many of the songs considered metal in the 80s, but the vast majority of the people who defined that genre are catchy. What you're talking about, Brian, is pop music. Oh. It's the type of music that the folks who program big FM radio throughout the U.S. are looking for. It's the sort of music that my wife listens to, where she is flipping around from radio stations, and she goes, oh, I like that, and she listens to it for two to five minutes, and then, oh, it's out of her head, and she flips to another station and stops and listens to something else. It's not what someone's a fanatic about, what they live and die for. for. Okay, let me just say that, first of all, I'm going to tell your wife what you just said, and you're going to get your ass kicked. Second of all, does catchy mean you get a song stuck in your head and can't get it out? Or does it mean you remember it and quote it? You know, let me let me just use this argument. One of our avid listeners, Owen, posts lyrics all the time. I love Owen for the lyrics he posts. Are they catchy? 
or do they just catch his attention? And what's the freaking difference, man? I'm just saying that something that's catchy, hooky, that's designed to, oh, you know, someone who's kind of minimally paying attention to something will pick up on it. That kind of catchiness is not what matters. So you're about. saying Owen minimally catches the attention of the lyrics and picks up on it. I think Owen is an avid listener of metal, and he quotes the things that he remembers. Catchy doesn't mean that you just remember it. Catchy means that it becomes part of what you incorporate into this definition, this debate of what we call metal. And I would say to you that you listen to lyrics that are catchy. I mean, you tell me lyrics all the time of bands that you love. And I don't see the difference between that. Let's talk about Goat Whore as an example. If you listen to a song from Goat Whore for the first time, on the first listen, you're not going to catch any of the lyrics. You're not going to catch any of the music. It's going to take a lot of time, repeated listening. It takes some investment from the fanatic in order to get into Goat Whore. I would say the same thing about a Chris Tomlin song, which is a Christian singer. You invest sure. in what you think is worth that, investing in. I, I, okay, so I'm not necessarily saying that a Christian singer has to be catchy. I mean, maybe there are a number of musical styles that aren't catchy. My point isn't that metal music is exclusively non-catchy. My point is the more catchy something is, the less likely it is to be metal. It also might not be a bunch of other things. Let me ask you a question. Do you find the, the lyrics to Living After Midnight catchy by Judas Priest? Yes. Does that mean it's not metal? It's not metal. Oh, fuck you, man. Are you serious? Living After Midnight is not metal. I would say that, and I don't know, Rob Halford might also say that. Yeah, but he oh, doesn't yeah, get he an opinion that. in this. I, can, I tell you what's metal. I tell you what I think is metal. And that's what makes metal. What is it that you is it that you think it's metal or is it that you like it? I like metal. So the two are the same. So you don't like Pink Floyd? I like Pink Floyd. I would not call that metal. Is that metal? metal? It is metal. Okay. Pink Floyd's metal. Let me metal. go back to my question. Who the hell No, 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 no. Let's uh, stay okay. on this. No. You said Pink if Floyd. I li if I like it it's okay. metal. You like Pink Floyd, so that must be and metal. No. No, I'll answer that with the same question I started with. It's not metal, but who the hell are you or I to tell someone else what they can or can't enjoy as metal? Listen, we can I would never tell anyone what they can't enjoy. What they enjoy and what they define as metal are two different things. Okay. Enjoy the shit out of it. I'm not a fan of bluegrass music. But there's obviously, I mean, especially around here in western Kentucky, there's a ton of that. And I admire the musicianship that goes into it. And, and if someone's into bluegrass, but if I, even if I like that, and actually, you know what? There are some bluegrass songs that I do like. Uh, off the soundtrack to uh, Oh Brother, Where oh, Brother Art Thou. What Art Thou. Right. There's some good songs oh, on okay. that. I okay. enjoy those. I get that. And we can enjoying it or liking uh, it does not make it metal. And we can discuss till the cows come home what 
is metal, but that won't stop me or anyone else from labeling a song how they want. Many of the songs considered metal in the 80s by the vast majority of people who defended that genre are catchy. And that's the ultimate argument for what we're talking about. Labeling something as metal or not is not about what you feel inside. It's about a rational explanation for why it is or isn't metal. Whether you like something or not is about what you feel inside. So the two things are completely separate, and you conflating the two is just ridiculous. Yeah, and here's my open answer to that. Fuck you, asshole. <laughs> that and, seems harsh. And that, I'm going to leave it at that, dude. Listen, you get the last word. What do you think about catchy metal? The more catchy and the more pop hooks and commercial appeal something has, the less likely it is to be metal. I also say that Goat Whore, they are an amazing band. I would, I would plead, if Goat Whore comes near to your city, go see and worship with them. They are amazing. Let's leave it at this. Catchy, not catchy, love the new priest, hate the new priest. The great metal debate continues, and that's why we do what we do. That's why we love the music we love. And although I respect your opinion about the music you listen to, I think it sucks, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Brian, I can't believe we got through another podcast without killing one another. Well, Dom Fog, I think if we did kill one another, we both know where each of us would go after we die, don't we? Well, that's right. I'd be seeing a bunch of great bands, for sure. <laughs> Me too, dude, except we would lift each other up in love and happiness while you would try to kill each other in death and destruction. I would be blazing in the eternal mosh pit. <laughs> I will let that be the last word. We thank our listeners for joining us. Join us once again next time on the Great Metal Debate Podcast. <laughs>